A very good evening to everyone. This is your host from Copy with Vance. That's right. You know what? For the past three minutes, I was actually doing some dancing in the background, you know, just to get the mood up. Because today's topic is all about mental health awareness. That's right. The month of May. In fact, all year, all months in the year, I think it should be mental health awareness because of such things that happen, you know, pre-pandemic, now post-pandemic. And a lot of people are actually currently a lot of been a lot of stress and today i have a great speaker who's coming on board i'm going to introduce to you and we're going to have a great chat talking about positive psychology interventions that's another than jana she's a positive psychology consultant director of academic and training development from the school of positive psychology so let's get jana on board hello jana hi vans how are you i am good how about you yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm always happy to talk about positive psychology. You know that. Thank you so much for jumping in. I know I you've been like you, jumping. I just want to tell you, dancing is a positive psychology intervention. So you were you were actually consciously boosting your mental health right there. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's just that uh, all the viewers are now watching it because I'm doing like all kind of moves. Thank you, Jenna. Um, uh, you know, Jenna, um, I know you had a very tight schedule and also you're just recovering from a, a little cold. And thank yeah. you so much for your valuable time that you're going to spend with us for the next 45 minutes. I can actually see a lot of messages coming in from our viewers. I definitely will take that. Viewers, if you do have any questions, you can definitely engage Jenna and we can spend a good 15 minutes or so in the last part of it and then we can start. Yes, Jenna, we are in the Mental Health Awareness Month 2022. Uh, before we start on, on Copy Advance, are you having your coffee with you or do you drink coffee? Or? I'm having water, that's okay. okay. I know, no, I should be having coffee, but I'm trying to lay off caffeine this late. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll drink beer for you. Cheers, Jenna. <laughs> for me, okay. <laughs> so, Jenna, let's uh, get started. Uh, before we go on, maybe you want to do a quick introduction of yourself and also where you're from so that a lot of viewers will know as well. Sure, sure, absolutely. So, um so my name is uh, actually Jana Dawson. Uh, J is pronounced like a Y because I happen to be Croatian. But that was a long, long time ago in my life. Uh, I have been in Singapore since 1990. And um, I see myself as Singaporean. You know, it's like this is home, truly. Uh, it's where I have raised my family. It is where I have discovered positive psychology. Uh, it is where I get to go out into the world and meet amazing, awesome people like yourself, uh, figure out ways that we can do positive change in Singapore context, in this cultural crazy context that we live in. Uh, so, you know, I'm a lecturer, as you know. I'm also a program developer, curriculum developer, um, organizational and corporate trainer. So I just try to get out there and do as much as humanly possible and see where we can impact. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you for the lovely introduction of yourself. Uh, Jenna, you want to speak a little bit more about where you're from and uh, who you pre represent? So that yes, we was so, so I work at the School of Positive Psychology. Um, it's a, it's an, the only real school dedicated to teaching positive psychology in Singapore. Uh, we also have a base in Hong Kong, in uh, Japan as well, and in the Philippines too. Uh, so, you know, we have had thousands and thousands of students come through and learn about positive psychology. Um, so we are evidence-based, uh, we're scientific, all of our lectures at the graduate uh, level have their master's in applied positive psychology. Um, um, you know, we, we are really just a passionate bunch of people 
trying to elevate well-being and enhance flourishing in the communities around us. And of course, we provide academic programs and corporate training programs and all sorts of things. Come and visit us, have a copy. Not, not in the evening. I don't drink coffee in the evening, but come during the daytime. Okay. That's a good one. I mean, John, I'm really sorry because I know all about you and the school. Uh, but still, our viewers may not. So that's why, you know, the question is Yeah, no, in. that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. And viewers are watching that, you know, Jana is one of a fantastic and a fabulous lecturer because I've had done her lectures as well. She's my lecturer as well. Uh, I enjoy every second of her lecture. So, yeah, we're going to have a great discussion today, you know, interviewing my lecturer. Um, Jana, I know we talked about, you know, the School of Positive Psychology. You did your introduction. Um, perhaps a lot of uh, viewers might right now have that in mind going, what is positive psychology? We only hear about psychology because psychology is always seen as a disease model. So right now, the School of Positive Psychology came up with positive psychology. So people might be wondering, what is, why positive psychology? Yeah, a very good question. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a misleading term, I think, positive, because we don't just, it's not about toxic positivity, where we sit there and everything has to be a, a gloomy, a rosy, you know, and things like that. Really what it is, it's a, it's a science. Uh, it's not it's an, it's an extension of the traditional psychology, as as we would say, right? So you're absolutely right. Uh, the traditional psychology focuses on what is wrong with people and the disease model, right? And uh, so when Martin Seligman uh, in 1998 became the president of the American Psychology Association, and he's a clinical uh, psychologist, he basically said that he thought psychology was half-baked. And why he said that is because he went, well, you know what? We leave people at zero. If you look at it on a scale from like minus 10 to plus 10, he's like, we can take people to zero. We, have, we are really good at making miserable people less miserable, but then what? How do we get people to be at their best? How do we get them to uh, be the best version of themselves that they can be? And that's what he became interested in. So positive psychology really looks at sort of how do we take people from being okay to being awesome and being at their best, right? Um, through interventions, through science. So we study emotions, uh, you know, the benefits of positive emotions, which is, as you yeah. know, more than just feeling good, right? Yeah. Uh, we look at how do we cultivate high quality connections and positive relationships, because we know relationships are fundamental and crucial for our well-being, right? Uh, how do we help people find meaning and purpose? in life you know especially now after covid a lot of people are questioning having the, the existential thoughts of like what is my meaning and purpose in life how can we you know uh cultivate more meaning and purpose in life so you know these are the topics that we look at so instead of asking what's wrong with you we ask like what's working for you bonds you know what what are you doing today that's make cultivating your positive emotions what are you doing today that's helping your relationships thrive and how can we identify that and then build on that to make sure that all your relationships are thriving right does that make sense definitely i mean um this sounds very familiar because you went through this with us before of course, um, of course. i hope I, you know this by now otherwise i'm not doing my job well right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you cannot deny that uh, we was out there if you want to engage jana on um uh, pertaining to positive psychology, Jana will be very, very happy to do that. We will be able to take in that in the last 15 minutes. Um, so Jana, we do understand that, you know, positive psychology was founded by Martin Seligman and he created, you know, intervention. So could I say that uh, positive psychology is preparing yourself before 
a big pandemic hits them. Could we uh, from that or is it something like you prepare yourself so that you don't fall for it? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good uh, good question. So um, yes, absolutely, right. Uh, let's look at, for example, the Chinese medicine TCM uh, and many different things, right? So let's look at resilience. We need resilience. We certainly needed resilience over the past two years, right? Um, did you enter this pandemic with your resilience reservoir full, or did you enter this pandemic with your resilience reservoir empty? Because that's going to make a big difference in how you managed yourself and others throughout this pandemic that we've been dealing with, right? So, yes, building our mental health and our well-being is not something that we should do in the storm, okay? Kind of like what they say, you don't go and fix a ship in the storm because that's really hard, Okay, you don't start a mindfulness practice when you're in a high stress level emotional hijacking, right? It's not going to work. So, yes, you need to implement strategies in your life and integrate them in your daily routine so that you can be constantly topping up your resilience reservoir. So you can be constantly like elevating your mental health, your emotional health, your social health, your spiritual health. All of those are incredibly important. So when the storm does hit, which it will hit, and we're not done yet, uh, you know, you can you can navigate better and come out of it stronger and have an idea of how you can uh, manage things. So the one part that I really uh, captured from that, you say that the ship is not meant to be, I mean, of course, meant to be the, the storm, but it has to be prepared so that it can sail through the calm sea and the tsunami if it happens. Um, yeah. Jenna, as we talked about this past two years um, in terms of pandemic, now we're coming into endemic, um, do you think that positive psychology interventions, we're going to go into that, or the school of positive psychology, um, is it only that it can be used upon for individual or is it for loved ones? Can we be able to share that with our loved ones and friends and families? Yeah, um, yes, of course. Uh, positive psychology interventions, really, to put it simply, are tools and techniques that we use to elevate positive emotions, uh, positive thoughts positive behaviors, um, they can be implemented for yourself, for your own personal development. Um, and there are evidence-based strategies uh, that have, so for example, you do this and you get that. There, there is an outcome, right? Uh, if, for, if you want to, let's say, cultivate positive emotions in your own life, you could potentially do gratitude exercises, right? Uh, you could potentially look at things that uh, that you enjoy to do, activities that you love to do, and you can elevate positive emotions through, through those, right? Of course, as a practitioner, my job is to, and my passion, is to elevate well-being in others. So then I look at how can I implement positive psychology interventions in other people's lives and in different contexts, uh, whether I'm doing it in, let's say, positive education in a school, or am I doing it in an organization, or am I doing it in a family, or am I doing it in my team because I'm, I'm a leader of a team, whatever your context is. Uh, important part is to understand culture, 
understand that we can't just take interventions and plug them wherever we feel like plugging them because that would be almost irresponsible. It's really about saying like, what, what's going on here? What does this cultural context need me to do as a practitioner? And then I can use those interventions on others as well. So, you know, Vance, you're a trainer. You you use interventions with other people all the time to, yeah, to boost their mental health, right? To motivate them to inspire them, to help them uh, recognize the goals that they want to set for themselves, to help them recognize being at their best and what does that actually look like for them? You know, simple things like asking them, so imagine you're at your best now. What would you be thinking, feeling? What would you be doing, right? As a coach, you take people through that process as well. So absolutely, interventions are designed to be used for ourselves in our interpersonal relationships, uh, in a community um, so interventions, like I said, can be very simple. They can also be incredibly complex. That could be a six months program or a year program that you're implementing in a community, let's say to, to build social well-being by having neighbors sure. connected. By let's say you're trying to create the Kampong spirit and you are then creating interventions to do that. So we are hearing a lot of uh, positive things here. Um, of course, the founder, Martin Seligman of Positive Psychology has definitely make an impact. Um, what are we looking at in terms of another maybe 10 years in front of us, or another 20 years of, of in front of us? Do you think psychology should be learned for everyone? I mean, not for, I mean, it can be helpful for other people as well, but is it very useful for me? Do you think that everyone should learn psychology? Mm. Well, I'll put it in Singapore context, if that's okay, right? Because I can't speak for the whole world, obviously. Uh, can't, I can't really speak for Singapore, but I'll try. When I first came to Singapore in 1990, we didn't have these conversations that you and I are having right now. Yeah. Okay. Before I joined your podcast tonight, I was uh, attending a talk and we were discussing loneliness. Okay. Uh, I am in organizations and now we're talking about concepts like imposter syndrome, we're talking about engagement. We're talking about how do we create more meaningful workspaces for people. These are not the conversations we were having 20 years ago. In fact, if you look at the school curriculum, for example, uh, 20 years ago, you couldn't even take psychology in high school. It didn't exist. You know, um, those were considered soft skills that no one particularly cared about. We've come a long way of recognizing the importance of psychology. We now know that it doesn't matter how great your business plan is, it's the people that are executing that business plan for you. And if they are not high on their well-being, you're not getting the best out of your people. Okay? Yes, we should develop people's skills. But as you and I know, when you're feeling down, when you're not feeling a sense of belongingness, when you're not feeling connected, when you don't have autonomy, I don't care how great your skills are, your performance is not going to be wonderful. So is there a space for psychology going forth? Absolutely. We're seeing more and more of psychology making an impact and being integrated. And look, I'm doing, for example, training in hospitals for to doctors on compassionate connection and, and psychology when this is not something that was being done years ago. In fact, doctors in, in, in universities were told not to have emotional connections with their patients as a buffer to stop them from getting too involved. Now we're saying, well, actually, if doctors make a compassionate connection with a patient, the patient heals quicker. 
So there are numerous examples of where I am recognizing and seeing that psychology is making a big impact. And it's not, I don't think just yet, uh, we will be outsourcing that to AI. Definitely looks, it looks like it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, even our, just to give you an example, um, yesterday, I think I lost my track on my package in Amazon. So I was actually chatting with the AI. <laughs> so you were asking me details. I'm like, oops, is that a human? No, no emotions. <laughs> so this is where we are heading on. Um, yeah. uh, I have uh, Audrey Chanja. Uh, she's a yeah. great phenomenon person. Should be in school curriculum. Not the details, but emotional management. So she's saying that psychology should be taught in schools and with, with professionally yourself, you know, um, speaking more about it, especially to teenagers. As they are growing up, their hormones start to fluctuate and they got a kind of a swing left and right. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Andre has a really good point. We don't necessarily have to call it psychology. We can call it life skills for self-leadership. Right. I don't it doesn't have to have such a big weightage in the, the terminology that we put on it. I know it's based on psychology because that's my job. I know that it's evidence based. I, I can look at the research, but I can go to a school and teach emotional management and emotional literacy to students without bombarding them with jargon they don't need to know and when it comes to the academics what they need to know is they need to be able to recognize their emotions label their emotions understand when they're being overwhelmed by emotions and they're being emotionally hijacked uh, develop tools and strategies that are easy for them to use so they can neutralize those emotions when they need to right so they can ultimately have better relationships, manage their stress better, achieve what they want to achieve and find themselves. So yeah, Audrey, you're absolutely right. You know, it doesn't have to be psychology as such. Uh, we can make it a little bit more palatable, but it should be basic life skills for sure. Thank you, Audrey, for the question. And uh, another one more, uh, I mean, one more viewer as well. So say, yes, life skills for self-leadership. Thank you, Vijaya, for that um, question as well. And um, yes, um, Jana, before we jump into interventions and a little bit more discussion on that, could we just talk about a little bit on the school? Because um, let we will also know that what are the school able to offer for people out there who have, you know, been going through some highs and lows in their life. Um, what kind of causes will be very available for them? Uh, Self-help. Uh, what kind of uh, programs can a school of positive psychology can offer? It's a tough question because we yeah. offer courses, to be honest, and uh, I really like to get to know people um, and that we, we, we keep our students part of our community and get to know them quite well. Um, we have consultants in the school. So the way that our process works is if, let's say, you're interested, uh, I recommend that you give us a call, that you speak to one of the consultants and actually find out what it is that you want to achieve. Right? Uh, are you there for personal development? Um, are you there, for example, if you're an educator, do you want to go towards positive education uh, and learn to really, you can go towards masters in, positive, in applied positive psychology with a specialism in positive education if that's something that's interesting to you, right? Or you can take courses like the graduate diploma in applied positive psychology or the specialist diploma in positive psychology and well being. Uh, that the specialist diploma is particularly, um, as you know, um, but really geared for experiential 
stuff. So really experiencing the process on yourself so that you have a deeper understanding of it so that you can then implement it for others. Right. Our graduate uh, diploma is uh, it has a lot um, more theories, but at the same time, it is also experiential, too. And with that, you can go on to a postgraduate level as well. So honestly, it's kind of hard to tell. I've got students who are like 18 years old and I've got students who are 80 years old and everyone's got their own reasons for being there. Thank yeah. you, Jana. Thank you for that. So definitely uh, people out there or viewers, if you're keen do contact the School of Positive Psychology and the consultants will be able to assist you on that. Um, then we're going to go to the interventions right now. I mean, just now I was just dancing. I mean, that's how I, I am right now. Um, always before the show, I dance, you know, I just get, you know, um, even though it's been doing, I've been doing this for the past two and a half years, I do get, you know, a little nervous sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, blah, 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 words. Um, just by dancing, um, you mentioned it's actually one of the interventions. Yeah. Um, is that something to do with the the hormones or myself? Or am I happy? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's uh, hormones, it's chemicals, it's uh, boosting your positive emotions. By the way, just when uh, I, ha I have a confession to make, if that's okay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've been really tired because I flew to UK, as you know, and then I came back from UK and I brought this horrendous flu with me that I've been dealing with and emotions are contagious and energy is contagious right uh, and your energy when we came onto this podcast and this stream because you did your dancing and you're all buzzing and I have to say like I didn't because I was jumping from one zoom to the other kind of thing right so I had basically two minute transition um, thank you for energizing me by just showing up in the way that you showed up Right. And now I'm starting to think that, you know, we did, uh, our emotions contagious on virtual platforms as well. Maybe this is some research that we have to do because it, it certainly feels that way. I'm feeling much more energized now that I'm talking to you. So thank you. Just want to say thanks for that. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Dance is not for everybody. And this is the thing about interventions. Right. We have a lot of interventions out there. It's, uh, let's say you have a buffet of interventions. First of all, you got to know what it is that you want the intervention for. So if you want to boost your positive emotions, if you want to energize, then maybe dancing is your thing. Or maybe you'd rather never dance in your life because that's just not something that you want to do, right? And so having autonomy in choosing the right intervention for you is really important for people to be, first of all, motivated to do it and for, for it to be effective, Right. Uh, I could, you know, if I told my husband go and dance before the show, he'd be like, no. OK, that's not going to happen. So obviously that intervention wouldn't work for him. But so what we try to do is match your person, your personality, your goals, what it is that you want to achieve. You know, maybe if what you wanted to do was create social connections in your life and you wanted to create more positive relationships, dancing on your own, it might not help you do that okay so that might not be the correct intervention for that inviting someone else to go and dance with you potentially would be a good way to boost relationships okay or doing a little dance before you connect with somebody so that you can have that positive energy contagion as you did with me just now so different ways to use one simple intervention like dancing to achieve many different things if that makes sense right definitely 
Thank you, Jana, for that. Um, I mean, I also got a little confession. Uh, coffee, um, when when I especially um, do some talks, I always want to go to the loo. Uh, sometimes, you know, a little nervous breakdown, you know. Um, but when when you do something like what you mentioned, you know, dancing is not for everyone. But if you do something that you love, then mm. you're going to enjoy the whole process. So I totally and agree that with 100%. Uh, viewers who are watching this, please do share and like um, so that more friends and families can join us in our discussion. If you do have any questions, we are definitely going to take that at the end of our talk sessions. Uh, please do engage Jana, uh, very experienced. We can talk about a little bit more on the interventions as well. So, Jana, the next question that we're going to go in, um, of course, I have uh, Cindy here. Um, Cindy have said, uh, thank you, Jana Vance, for a wonderful topic on positive psychology interventions. May I ask um, <laughs> something about dance? Uh, I love dancing, but it's just that I can't dance. Uh, I really get nervous, like what Vance has said. Um, is there any other interventions which you will recommend? What are, you, what are you trying to achieve, right? I can recommend many interventions, but let's say that you love to dance, okay? Let's go back to dance. And you just said you love to dance, but you feel nervous dancing. If dancing is so important to you that this is something you do want to integrate in your life, then I would be looking at, well, how do we manage that nervousness? Why is that nervousness there, right? So how do we create that? How do we become comfortable with being uncomfortable so that it's not paralyzing you or stopping you from doing what it is that you want to do, like going dancing, right? So an intervention in this case would not be dancing. An intervention in this case would be emotional management, right? And learning about your emotions. So, you know, we, we focus on negative emotions more than we focus on positive emotions. Negative emotions are bigger, right? You, you experience them more than you do positive emotions. So when we get nervous, uh, you know, and I, I, I think I mentioned that to Vans, I'm not even sure. Like I get nervous when doing podcasts, when speaking in front of a lot of people, when walking into training, I'm not a natural public speaker. It's just not what I doesn't, but I do it because, you know, it helps me with my job and I have to do it. It's not, it's not an option, but I always get, I get nervous. So when I stand like behind a stage or something like that, or, you know, backstage of, of conferences or something like that, you know, it's sitting with that emotion and recognizing instead of pretending that it's not happening and just saying, I'm feeling really nervous right now. Okay. Where am I feeling nervous? I'm feeling it in my stomach. I'm feeling a little bit sickly right now. Right. And we, just by observing your emotions, you actually disassociate from that emotion. That emotion is not me. It is just a sensation going through my body. It is just a signal telling me that something in the external world is creating this emotion in me, right? So, you know, we will always feel fear. We will always feel nervousness. Uh, these are negative emotions we will always experience. It's really the trick is how do we get comfortable with those emotions and then take action despite those emotions, right? You can do things like, you know, how do I feel? I'm nervous right? How else do I feel? Uh, I'm also a bit overwhelmed. How else do I feel? I'm also a little bit anxious. How else do I feel? Yeah, I'm also curious to know how this is going to go. You know, what music are they going to play? You know, what, what will the dance be like? I'm also really kind of proud of myself that I'm even considering going dancing, even though it makes me feel nervous. So what you've just done, you've diffused an emotion and you shifted emotions really quickly and you went from being really nervous 
to actually being kind of proud of yourself for rocking up and attempting to do a dance, right? So yeah. that in itself would be an intervention where you are learning those managing emotions. So you can go dancing if that's something that's really important to you. I hope that answers the question. Thank you, Jenna, for that. Um, even like I mentioned earlier, uh, even though someone who talks for more than two or three decades, every time before he performs, he will start to feel, I don't know why I always want to go to the loop just before 10 minutes before a talk show. It's it's probably like what you said. Uh, probably I know what I'm going to say, but it's just that, like you say, the nervous are just, uh, mm. systems are just breaking down all over. Um, exactly. how, yeah, sorry, Jana. How interventions usually achieved? So probably she's going in a little deeper. Uh, you mean how are they usually uh, created? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so it, yeah, that's a great question. So the, the way that they're created is researchers will, for example, uh, start asking questions or do qualitative or quantitative research. So for example, um, let's, let's take learned optimism as an intervention, um, Martin Seligman's learned optimism. Um, Martin Seligman figured out that people can teach themselves to be helpless. So he, he became curious and he said, well, if people can teach themselves to be helpless, can they also teach themselves to be optimistic? So what he did, he found really optimistic people and he started to study them, observe them, ask questions, and was curious, what are those people doing who are naturally very optimistic that somebody else who is a more pessimist is not doing. Uh, so he started to research that and he found out that it comes down to the explanatory style and la-di-da, right? Um, then he went, okay, so here's, here's, I've identified what optimistic people do. Let me see if that's going to work with somebody else as an intervention. And can we elevate optimism for those people? Uh, of course, you have to have measures, right? You have to measure before you do an intervention and post an intervention. So by doing it across different demographics and different samples, he found out, well, yes, actually, you can boost someone's optimism by doing this, this specific intervention. Um, and that's how an intervention is created, right? Then people like myself, who are more practitioners, look at this intervention and go like, oh, okay, I have a population here, or I have an individual here, or maybe just for myself, I want to boost optimism. Here's what I can do based on the research to boost that optimism for someone else, right? I might consider, well, you know, would that translate to their cultural context? Would they appreciate this kind of intervention, right? So, of course, I will use my own judgment as well um, as a professional. Nevertheless, I have an intervention that is validated and has been used over and over again and has worked in boosting people's optimism. So this is basically how we create uh, interventions. So people like Sonia Lyubomirsky, uh, Barbara Fredrickson, they all have their labs where these interventions are developed, designed, tested, tested again, then they're taken into different cultural contexts and then they're tested there again. And then we can call it an evidence-based intervention. That's really the process of creating an intervention. Thank you, Jana, for that. Uh, I'm going to take one question here right now uh, yeah. by Stella. Uh, is it okay to be sad? And of course, she said cry. Does intervention help? Good question. Again, God, you guys have awesome questions. Okay. Is it okay to be sad? Yes. Is it okay to allow that sadness to overwhelm you 
uh, where you're not functioning in the way that you want to function, in the way that you're achieving things you want to achieve, connecting to people in the way that you want to connect, then no. Then we need to ask for help. Uh, then we need to take action uh, to do that. Sadness, like any other emotion, like I said earlier, is, is a signal. Um, when we are sad, let's say we, we experience temporary sadness because something happened in the world where you are that has created sadness. So, you know, when if you are stuck in that uh, negative uh, mood, not emotion, but a mood of just being perpetually sad, then that is depression. Then that is something that um, we need to address and, and ask for help. If it's a sadness because your relationship has split up, or something is going on in the external world that's creating that sadness for you, then you're processing that event through your sadness. And sadness is a quite, quite us down. When we're sad, we're not likely to go up to a party or, or do some crazy uh, active things. We sit there and often go through self-reflection. We, we lie down on the couch. Uh, you know, we have a moment of quietness. Uh, and that emotion helps us do that reflection and process what is in, what is out in the world that's making us sad. But we don't want to get stuck in that sadness forever because then that's not helping us to move forward in life. Thank you, Jana. Thank you, Stella, for that question. And uh, we do have uh, many questions that's coming up. <laughs> so probably we might want to take it right now. Uh, Jana, yeah, we might as well just do questions then. Otherwise, we'll yeah. run out of time, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So I'll be trying to say this. Thank you, Audrey. Today, you the best uh, viewer of the month. No, viewer of the day. <laughs> when one is so busy with their daily life, finding time for self-care seems impossible. So, yeah, she's finding impossible with her daily lives or someone. Yes. Um, yes, you're not the only one, Audrey. Um, we don't prioritize self-care. Okay? Uh, let's be honest. Can we find... 15 minutes in a day and you don't even have to do it all at once uh, in order to engage in self-care, I would say yes. Do we do it? No. There are many reasons why we don't do it. Um, for one, we don't remember because we're busy. For two, we feel that our time should be spent differently, like catching up with emails, like scrolling through social media, um, uh, doing things for other people because we feel guilty Taking, uh, taking time out to engage in self-care. Um, I think we have to start looking at self-care not as a luxury, but as a necessity in order for us to be able to be there for other people, in order for us to be able to do the job that we do and love to the best of our ability. Um, we, you know, just like you would go and schedule a dentist appointment to, you know, check your teeth or you would go and do other things in life that you would, that you see as something you got to do. Self-care really has to, it's our mindset. It, um, we have to change our mindset the way we perceive self-care as a sort of like an indulgence thing where you go and sit in a spa and, and put mask on your face. That's not self-care. Self-care is recognizing when you need to take a mind break. And even if it's a three-minute mind break, self-care is recognizing when you need to walk away from the screen and go look at a tree for a little while. You know, self-care is recognizing yeah. that unless you keep your body healthy, you're not going to do forward, right? So I think it's more to do with our mindset and really prioritizing things that we should prioritize. 
So more like a me time. Can we say that it's more like a me time? Because when we say me time, you know, I go for massage and kind of stuff, but they're not addressing what is the real thing that cost or something like a burnout. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes I, I, I'm wary about using the term me time because when we come from a collectivist culture, uh, like in, in my country, me time doesn't even, there's no word for me time because we're a collectivist culture and you don't get me time. Your job is to keep harmony in a collective space, right? So it's not about me time. It's about me being the best for everybody else. You know, we can we can almost or we can almost look at it as a reset time, right? A replenish time, or something where you recharge your batteries uh, more likely than. And it doesn't have to be on your own, right? It could be just it, meeting a friend that that you really care for and having a cup of coffee. So at the same time, you're building social relationships and engaging in something that gives you joy and positive emotions. Thank you, Joanna. Thank you for that, uh, Audrey Chan. Thank you for the question. Thank uh, you. Definitely. Uh, it's a good question, uh, Audrey. So we have another question here. Hi, Jana, Mr. Vannon. Oh, Mr. Vannon. No, you can call me just Vannon. Eh? I think workplace must promote positive psychology to focus on individual strengths for better focus and balance. I mean, that's what's happening, right? I mean, I'm sure you are also doing a lot of uh, workshop uh, for corporates. Yes. Uh, and believe it or not, um, you, you're spot on in the sense that a lot of the uh, interventions that we do in, in the corporate space right now is around strengths, uh, which is very different from skills. Okay. So strengths are your innate psychological capacities. Uh, and when you activate them, they actually energize us. They make us feel more confident. We're more engaged. Uh, people who get to use their strengths at work uh, report higher job satisfaction as well. So um, you're right. If we use our strengths, you will have more focus because you're more likely to have flow. Um, you know, so strengths use helps us achieve flow. Um, and flow is that focused attention on the task that you're doing that where you're fully engrossed and engaged and loving it and, and having a really good time. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, so focusing on individual strengths, focusing on collective strengths as well, I'd like to add, because... You know, we, we coexist with other people. We're all part of a system. We are, we are independent. We depend on each other to get the job done. So recognizing your own strengths and recognizing strengths in others and then being able to use those strengths in a sophisticated way that, that helps everybody collectively. Yeah. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you uh, for that particular question. Thank you so much. Uh, Jenna, I mean, when we talk about psychology, uh, before we come in and take that, um, when we talk about psychology or getting help, um, even in the Asia itself, when we talk about, you know, around us or even Singapore itself, it, people are shy. Or even if someone goes for help, um, they, they, they labelize that, you know, you know, with crazy, crazy words and comments. Um, do you think this judgment or this stigma will ever change? Because right now, we, we have to do things for ourselves, right? Um, so if, let's say, if I have to go and see a counsellor, or for some reason, right? Suddenly, oh, how you find? Uh, is everything okay? You know, people tend to become very judgmental. The stigma, will it ever clear? I'm hopeful. Uh, I think so. I mean, look, for example, you know, my husband called me uh, 
this was pre-COVID and he worked in uh, CBD and he's like, oh, you're not going to believe this. They're putting posters up in my building in front of elevators. If you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling burned out, if you're feeling low, ask for help. Right. This is not yeah. something this is not something that was common before. Okay, we are addressing these issues in schools more and more now as well. Look, we're writing about it. I'm not saying that we're great at it. There's a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff we still need to be doing in this area. There's a lot of stigma still attached to it. But are we slowly chipping away? I think so, because we're having conversations like this. Uh, you know, I'm working in organizations where we're talking about depression and we're talking about well-being. Um, the fact that we're having town halls when where these things are being discussed. I think that's really a good shift and we're heading towards the right direction. You know, I have had trainings where in the, within the first five minutes, uh, a participant put his hand up and said, I've been depressed for a year in front of everyone. Right. And I'm just like, thank you for being courageous because I'm pretty sure there's a lot more people in here who are experiencing the same. We're just not talking about it. Um, so, are we are we doing it? Yes. Are we doing it fast enough? Probably not, because we're losing a lot of people and there's still a lot of people suffering. Um, yeah. you know, should we up our game? Yes. Uh, but I do see uh, this stigma shifting and it is already shifting a lot. And um, well said, uh, Jana, because uh, as you can see, uh, nowadays schools are enforcing a lot on um, psychology, uh, a lot of well-being. Uh, we talked about interventions. They are looking. They have even school counselors, uh, even like corporates are actually working on it very closely because of people are getting very burned out. Um, like one of our viewers also have said, you know, it's better for uh, positive psychology to be focused on individual strengths and better focus on work-life balance. Um, yes. But you know, also um, talking about this, self-conscious emotion play a vital role in how people view and think about about themselves. It's sadness, a self-conscious emotion. She's going into a little emotion right now. Um, so maybe we want to ask about that. I'm not quite sure. And I apologize yeah. for that. What mm. you mean by the term self-conscious emotions? Um, I think all emotions in a way are self-conscious because unless you are conscious of those emotions, you might not even be able to label them or recognize them. Um, I, I, yeah, okay. Am I being self-conscious if I'm expl exploring sadness? I wouldn't say that. I think you're I think you're being self-aware. The yeah. fact that you're recognizing that you have uh, sadness going on uh, for you. I think that just shows that you have emotional intelligence. Uh, you know, um, self-conscious would be I'm being self-conscious that somebody's watching me. Uh, or, you know, I'm, I'm self-conscious about the way that I'm behaving right now because I'm worried about breaking the norms of behavior, right? That would be more like where that self-consciousness, self-consciousness itself is not necessarily an emotion. It's more like a, a, a state of mind, a mindset a little bit, right? And uh, um, it's a way of behavior as well. Self-consciousness comes with certain behaviors as, as do other emotions. Uh, you know, they, they have certain behaviors that, that follow that pattern. Um, yeah, I think, I think self-consciousness does play a role in how we perceive ourselves. Uh, but I think self-consciousness is not necessarily a negative thing because you're then actually being aware of what's going on with you. 
Okay. When it's stopping you from doing things that you want to do or showing up in a confident way. And that's where the strengths-based approach comes in. It can really help people boost confidence so that they're not then as self-conscious around it. Yeah. Great sounds question. Very familiar. Sounds very familiar to me and I'm sure that will help her as well. Thank you, Jenna. Um, Jenna, you know, one of the interesting that, you know, we talked about uh, and I like to go back to our class lectures because I think that will benefit our viewers as well. We talked about this parrot of perception of the parrots, you know, how you actually, and of course, we're not going to go for the lecture here, but if one advice or one of your expertise that you're going to share, uh, how one should able to identify because we talked about self-care, uh, not me time, um, but what will your advice will be? So going back to, for example, self-conscious uh, consciousness and uh, that kind of behavior, um, we have to recognize our thinking traps. It is really important for our well-being and how we go forward in life. So over the years, through our experiences, through our cultural programming, through frameworks, through things that we've been told, we have actually developed habitual ways of thinking. And sometimes these thinking patterns are really not serving us. You know, they're the ones that build up self-doubt or blaming or uh, having too much judgment on other people that's then hindering our relationships, not catastrophizing, for example. So we're, we're terrified of going out there because we're always thinking of worst case scenarios. Um, so what we have in psychology, we have this uh, for easily to remember. Basically, this is, these are cognitive distortions, which is a really st stupid term, <laughs> hard to remember. So we call them parrots of perception because these thinking traps are not you. They're just your habitual ways of perceiving the world. And you can actually change those. You have to become aware of what are some of the traps you're falling into. And then you have the ability to change those thinking traps because that's what really where we get stuck. You know, so for example, if you see yourself, if your loser parrot of per perception comes and sits on your shoulder and keeps telling you that you're a loser and everybody else is better than you and you don't belong here, then you're likely to foster an imposter syndrome. Okay, so understanding your thinking traps and recognizing them when they show up, it's almost like you're mastering that already. So I would certainly encourage people to identify those for themselves to help. Thank, you, Thank you so much. Jeremy, uh, coming back to the main topic again, uh, of course, we talked about this uh, mental health awareness. Um, we've seen a lot of cases, according to the local news, that a lot of people go through anxiety, depression, uh, a lot of other serious related issues the one of the reason could be is people are not identifying themselves whether they need help or whether the family um is that kind of a, a lookout for you know we, we call it the symptoms you know someone is you know something like me right example i'm always jumping around and suddenly i start to tear i don't want to dance i'm always isolated not going out anywhere is there could be the sign and indication symptoms showing me clearly that i could be in the anxiety or depressions along that way yeah, I mean, absolutely, you know, so looking out for behaviors that are not their normal behavior, they're not their usual behavior, and then just saying, hmm, the behavior has shifted. It could be uh, that they're more isolating themselves away from other people. Uh, they're maybe doing extreme things that are a little bit out of character as well. Maybe even obsessive behaviors, uh, you know, obsessively doing a hobby uh, and, and not taking a break from that, you know, um, having 
negative talk, which is being reflected potentially with their own negative self-talk, right? If you are stuck in a negative self-talk and those ruminating thoughts throughout the day, the chances of you saying anything positive are pretty slim. Um, you know, so listening to what people are saying, you know, if they're saying things like, yeah, I'm such a loser, you know, or, uh, you know, what's the point? It's not going to get better. There's no, there's no way of getting out of this. You know, these this are indications that that person is suffering through a lot of negative uh, thought patterns that are going on for themselves, right? So I would say watch out for the behavior. Uh, see if it's out of ordinary. Uh, watch out for display of emotions. What are the emotions that you're seeing? Are you seeing a lot more negative emotions than positive emotions? And is that the norm or not? Listen and get, engage in active listening and really pick up on words people are saying. And, you know, those, those are red flags that we often miss because we're busy, you know, and we don't take the time to engage in active listening. Uh, people will drop hints um, and, that, and we just have to be more um, mindful and aware. Thank you, Jana. And you, you won't believe it. It's already 55 minutes into our discussion. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like I'm having a lecture today. Just that our classmates are not involved in today. Probably they are yeah. watching right now. Uh, thank you so much, Jana. I mean, we, we talked a lot about interventions. We talk about, I know this topic in psychology, it's such a huge topic. You know, we can go for days and days and days, you know. Um, Jana, I mean, from the School of Positive Psychology and also you are the uh, Director of Academic and Training Development of the School of Positive Psychology, um, your before we end the show, your thought for the day or your advice for the day. Self-care is not selfish. Um, plan for joy. Okay. Really, honestly, I cannot tell you how important it is. Wake up in the morning and choose at least two things you're going to do that will bring you joy and that will replenish you. Um, it, interventions don't have to be complicated. Self-care doesn't have to be complicated. Um, you can do small things that will make a big difference. And if you are treading water and it's getting hard, uh, please ask for help. Okay. Every, people will help. We just have to ask for it. So I really want to urge people to do that because um, that's what we're here for. We're here to help each other. Thank you so much, Jana, for your valuable time i know it's been a busy day for you but even though you just squeeze in your time i know you literally jump in you didn't jump in you were there all the way right after Sorry? Your, you didn't jump in from seat to seat you just sit there and then after your previous I didn't move i'm just here <laughs> thank yeah. you so much i'm sure viewers love it viewers you're watching this please do share uh reach out to many people as possible you. and you can actually reach out to the School of Positive Psychology. These guys are great. And Jana is always here. And Jana, thank you so much once again for Thanks joining so me. At me. And we'll have, a copy. So we'll have a copy in the daytime, yeah? <laughs> so. Yes. I'll All see right. you then. Have a lovely evening. Thank you so much, Jana. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good night, everyone. Good Bye. Night. That's Jana for us. Uh, I think she spent a beautiful about 56 minutes. Uh, I don't want to hold any minute longer because i know she had a long day uh despite that she just wanted to jump in over and share uh, valuable experiences and expertise here oh uh, as we can see there's a lot of um 
a lot of questions just came in. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I, I wish I could take that with Jana, but just that, um, you know, the timing was um, a little too hard. Thank you. Thank you so much for all the things. Um, how to cope with anxiety? Who you know, that's one interesting part. Maybe I can share uh, in a while. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Audrey. Um, and uh, wow. Thank you, Deepam, as well. As usual, you know, all the thank you messages are coming in. Um, beautiful experience sharing. But I need to do a shout out um, to the School of uh, Positive Psychology. I got to say that um, the interventions that we talked about in positive psychology intervention is great. Uh, these guys are located at the uh, Stanford Court address, which is here, 61 Stanford Road. Um, they are, you can able to get them in 6884-5162. They provide great courses there. You want to look up them in 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 the website as well. Uh, amazing causes that you should try it out. Um, I got another message here. Thank you so much for the great channel. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, if you really have enjoyed that, um, I actually enjoy this session as well. Always with Jana, I and mean, it's like every time it's a copy event, and I'm 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 enjoying at my own studio, so-called studio. I've set it up over the past two years. Um, in terms of psychology, it's always seen as a disease, right? People, when, when you say you have um, approach for help, like what Jana has said, it always seen with a lot of stigma, a lot of comments, a lot of judgments. If we allow these judgments and comments to affect us, uh, we will always be a victim. That is the truth, all right? Uh, you got to be in a, in a state of mind of resilience, like what Jana has said as well, the strengths. Um of course, as, as it goes in deeper and deeper, of course, there's lots of things to learn about. There's a lot of things to prepare yourself before a storm comes in. Like, you know, she used this an example of this ship, right? Um, where, you know, you, the, the ship must be well-built, uh, waterproof, no leaks, so that it can face any storms that it can, it may face. Um, so same thing goes our life. We have to do lots of interventions. You got to do crazy things yeah i always call crazy things i like to dance when i'm in the road um when i'm in the car i'm always like to you know move around and kind of stuff sometimes my kids say dad what are you doing people are watching i say yeah that's good i'm being an entertainer um if you want to do things and if you always want to be worried about what people might say that can also can cause anxiety as well because you're always conscious about yourself you're always like oh no Somebody is seeing me. Um, that probably I'm uh, ad addressing to this. How to cope up with anxiety? Anxiety also could be also be involved in a lot of pressure when you always have deadlines. Uh, I remember uh, when I was in a particular gym where I was working there for 17 years. I was constantly under pressure. I was constantly under full of anxiety because you got to prove you got to work late. Uh, but there's always a time that you need to make a decision for yourself. Uh, when is it? when you want to make a move. Um, if things are not bringing joy to you, if you're not enjoying the process, then you've got to really sit back and think what may flourish you and what are the things that you may want to look in the future. Um, I know, you know, something corporate life can be extremely busy, uh, extremely tough with deadlines. So, but you've got to really look at things that how you can flourish yourself. Um, are you working more than nine hours, 10 hours, 11 hours a day, uh, especially after this pandemic and we've all been working in front of our room, in front of the computer. A lot of stress has been, uh, a lot of uh, overworked burnout as well. So now it's time to you know explore a little bit, think about your future 
and relax a bit, chill. You know, if you you know, life shouldn't be dead serious. Uh, the time will come, you can be dead and then be serious. But then, till then, you enjoy. Uh, this is your Vance uh, from Kopi Advance. I hope you enjoy the session today. Um, Mental Health Awareness Month uh, 2022. I think every month will be Mental Health Awareness because of the uh, cases are going up. People are getting anxiety. People are getting stress, uh, depressions as well, um, failures, rejections, objections, challenges. So many things are going through in our life. If you're not prepared, um, like what we mentioned, the interventions, you will not be able to fight it for. You know, there must be always be an offense uh, in front of you, like a filter that always be able to protect you. But if not, then, you know, things may happen against you. I'll catch you again on the next topic of uh, Copy Advance. I mean, another interesting topic that's going to come in. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the, all the messages. I really enjoy being every Wednesday, 9 p.m. with a lot of uh, interesting viewers. Uh, if you're watching this, please do share, like, uh, so that more people will get to know and benefit from our speakers that have been lined up for. Um, if I'm not mistaken, next week also should be uh, dedicated for mental health awareness. Uh, we have another speaker as well who's going to come in and talk, motivational speaker. So let's hope for that. Uh, wish everyone a pleasant evening. Um, this is your Vance. I'm going to catch you real soon in just six days. Sorry, yeah, in seven days' time. Till then, adios, amigos, bye-bye.